Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. My name is Dino Ray Ramos. And I'm Amanda Nduka. And you guys... We have a very special guest for this podcast, Dino. <laughs> we have, <laughs> this is like, I think this is like an amazing uh, uh, podcast. We have Niall DeMarco, who is creator, executive producer of uh, Deaf You. And you know what? You may recognize him uh, uh, from um, America's Next Top Model because that was pretty much his breakout. Then he right. won that. Then he was all, I don't think that's enough. So he went to Dead Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> and then he won that. And now he's, I think what is amazing is that he's doing such amazing things for for the deaf culture, deaf experience. And he opened our eyes to a yeah. lot. Well, the show opened the show a lot of our America. eyes. I, I really encourage people to watch it. I mean, it's it's something that, you know, you just never think of like really investigating other cultures like that much. And I think this show really gives you a good look at at. at this community that none of us, a lot of us don't really know of. And it's so, it's mm. so fascinating. It's so interesting. And I, I, since I started a podcast, I actually feel like a better person knowing, mm-hmm. knowing what I know now than, you know, versus my ignorance. So, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm still, you know, we're still learning and, and this, and this, the show can't really encompass the whole experience yeah. of, of, but the, it's of just, the linguistic community, but it's really good. Yeah. It's a great insight. And I think it's just, it just shows how like the, there are so many underserved communities out there that deserve our attention, that deserve our, uh, storytelling that isn't being noticed. And I, I, I think it's great that now is kind of leading that charge. I mean, he, there are probably many others, but I, I like how we talk about this in the podcast. And also there's video you'll yeah. be able to watch um, about how it's, it's just constantly, you know, when it comes to the deaf community, deaf experience, it's always like a PSA episode, like, oh, oh look, you know, it, it's, you know, this is our deaf episode with our deaf person, but this just kind of goes beyond that and shows the nuances, the layers, and uh, and the different experiences of this community, mm-hmm. and also the issues they face within their own community, yeah. which is just so fascinating. It so, is, reality, yeah. honestly, it's reality TV. It has everything that good reality tv like has so it's just good tv period yeah Yeah, it's good tv and it's and it's and it's very like i said it's very informational very eye-opening and very interesting and relatable and like you said i think it's we're we're coming at it we're we're coming to a time now and hopefully it gets more that we're seeing more and more more and more of these contexts from traditionally marginalized communities 
coming to like a Netflix or something and we're, we're yeah. learning more about about these cultures so hopefully hopefully we'll see more from from Niall and from from a lot of other people um yeah. but but yeah but without further ado here is Niall Well, I want to start by welcoming Niall to Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. Welcome and thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. Both. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're going to chat about your Netflix, uh, your Netflix docuseries in a, in a little bit. But first, we want to get to know you. Um, how, first of all, let me ask you, how have you been during this time? I mean, obviously, 2020 is very, I think we all have a lot of adjectives to describe 2020. Um, Triggering but, is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how have you been? triggering for sure uh you know i'm doing i'm doing well i mean obviously this is just a rough time getting used to um as a deaf person uh you know who who lives 99 percent of my time in the hearing world i'm very used to having to lip read now with masks everywhere i'm totally (laughs) lost (laughs) yeah so i mean it's yeah it's been a frustrating experience overall i i'd say an interesting journey i'm starting to get used to it now you know have you while I can tell that someone's yelling through their mask and I'm just like, I can't even tell. I can't even see. So now you you have to, you, but you have experience with smizing, right? Because you have, you could read eyes and, <laughs> oh, but yeah. have you, have yeah. you seen those masks where they're, it's tr- like there's plastic and you could see their lips, mm-hmm. which is, looks scary. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I have no opinion. So, you know, the, the clear masks, they're nice, but they get so foggy and gross. It's like all condensation inside and like, oh, it's nauseating. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to see her spit on clear plastic. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's very thoughtful, very nice. But right, no thanks. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Um, now, so so obviously we've se- we we remember you from America's Next Top t- Next Top Model. Sorry, I can't talk today. Um, and then also with Dancing with the Stars, and we've seen you on a couple of series, and you have a couple of projects in the works. But I want to ask you, where did this all start for you? What 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 gave you um, sort of this aspiration to be in this business, or who inspired you? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> I mean, really. My first break uh, was America's Next Top Model. Um, and from that experience, uh, you know, obviously, I, I, like anyone, I was wondering kind of what my plan was and, and how to move forward in the industry. When I made it on uh, Switch at Birth, um, you know, that really was the first hint for me that I really enjoyed acting and I wanted more of it. Um, you know, and then, of course, Dancing with the Stars happened. And the interesting thing that I started to recognize was a pattern, right? From America's Next Top Model and also Dancing with the Stars that both times I was really cast on screen as this kind of one dimensional figure. And all of the questions that they would ask me were specific to my deafness, right? And how I grew up as a deaf person. It was never really, you know, a deep dive into who I was as a person or things I actually enjoyed. So after doing two reality TV shows, I felt like still nobody really knows who I am. But I did want to fall into acting more. I was really interested in it. And I realized that developing TV shows and films was an opportunity for me to stretch the boundaries and show hearing people exactly who deaf people are and show how rich the deaf community is and that we have so much to offer, you know. But I mean, that's really how Deaf You was born. 
How, how has it been sort of going from being in front of the camera to being a creator and, and an executive producer to, and, and being behind the camera? What's that transition like been for you? Wow. I mean, overwhelming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, a, a first time for me, right? I mean, it, it's a lot of responsibility, you know? You've really got to find a way to encapsulate what the deaf experience is. And truly it's impossible to do it as one deaf person. I mean, we just need so much more representation, um, you know, but overall the experience has been euphoric. Uh, you know, it's not many uh, deaf people who have the opportunity to, uh, you know, executive produce in Hollywood. And, you know, we're hoping that this really is the first of many, right? I don't want to be the only deaf creator in, in Hollywood. I want to see more and more creatives coming up as EPs and, and creating their own shows. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so like when, when you were coming up or when you even just growing up or even lately or in your recent career, when was the first time you saw yourself authentically represented on TV or film? Yeah, few. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, Deaf U was such a powerful moment for me. Mm. You know, after watching, you know, the episodes, I, I, I was laughing, I was crying. I just, I had so many emotions because my entire life I had never seen a real, raw, authentic look at who I was in representation on TV. And, and that made a real impact in my own life. Right. If I would have had that as a child, oh, so powerful. Uh, where, where did your, you know, you, you are, you're an advocate, you know, for the deaf community and for the queer community and for, for so many people. But where do you think your advocacy came from for underrepresented voices? You know, I mean, I would say my identity as, you know, as a deaf person was very strong. I had a really strong deaf identity growing up, um, you know, and, and I remember always thinking that, you know, that was just, that was just who I was, right? My, my deaf identity was really sort of in front of everything. Um, and it was, you know, primarily deaf. And over time and, and through my own journey, I realized that there was no possible way for me to, to split my identity into, into something so insular. It was really important that I kind of recognized my own intersectionality in so many ways. Um, through that, you know, it, it truly, in Deaf U, we see that happen, right? In the casting process, you know, it was really key for me to be able to see LGBTQ representation. It was, it was so critical because I think it's so easy to think about deaf representation first and, and leave it sort of siloed, but the deaf community has so many more layers to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, going to that, you know, there is, there's so many marginalized voices who haven't been represented on film, on TV. And, you know, I think the deaf community and, you know, there, there's the disabled community. There's so many people who haven't seen themselves. And if they have seen themselves, it has been kind of, you know, not so good. Yeah, um, very hyper, um, very one dimensional. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what is one or a right, couple right. of popular misconceptions about the deaf community you want to bring awareness to? Now's the time to, <laughs> in this, on this podcast to tell, you know, the people like, what you want people to know about the deaf community that they, that they sometimes get wrong. Sure. Um, generally, I would say, uh, you know, the misconnection, the, the biggest misconception is that there's no such thing as the deaf community or okay. the deaf culture doesn't exist. A lot of people don't understand how it's possible because mm -hmm. they consider deafness strictly a disability. And they're like, well, mm -hmm. disability, you know, or the disability community doesn't have a culture. And it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> we could consider it a disability, but we're also a linguistic community, right? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it, it's how we essentially build and evolve culture, right? Through the passing down of stories, through, through our own language. So I, I'd say that's probably the biggest misconception. I, I remember one time when I was on America's Next Top Model, uh, I was working with one of the interviewers and, you know, there were all these questions about my deaf identity and my upbringing. And it was just constant. And, and she said, you know, do you remember in fifth grade, you told us you went to a, to a mainstream school briefly where you heard, tell us how you were sad and upset in your struggle. <laughs> and she was trying to make me cry, right? I mean, oh. it would have made much better DV, I'm sure. And I told her, I was like, look, you're not going to make me cry because truly I'm not going to cry about being deaf. I love being deaf. Mm -hmm. I came from an all deaf family and a deaf school and a community. And the woman ended up crying and she said, mm. you're making my job so much harder. And I'm like, <laughs> but why do you think that deaf people can't possibly be happy and live these really great, fulfilling lives? You know, that's what we wanted to showcase with Deaf You. We wanted to really break the mold and, and kind of break away from those misconceptions and really educate people on, on deaf people's everyday lives. I mean, we cover topics like, you know, abortion and sexual abuse and domestic violence and romance. I mean, things that are, you know, very universally relatable to the larger community. Yeah. I have to say, I learned, I mean, I, I was captivated. I finished it like in one setting. I learned <laughs> so much and I'm so happy that I was exposed to something like this because obviously mm. like you, you don't, you don't ever think about, you know, like you said, like there's not that many, we don't have representation as a problem in this, in this country and in this world. So we don't get to like experience a lot of people and a lot of like their lives. And, and, and we just kind of make, make up our own decisions based off of what we know, which is very limited. Um, so it, this was very, um, wide open, like you said it before, like you, you just had so many different, different people. And I want to ask you about the cast because it, like, it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that there was an elite group. Obviously I didn't know that there was, you know, there, there's so many issues that you guys really talked about that really, mm -hmm. like really, um, brought an awareness of like there, you know, there is, there, there are people who don't believe that they, they are part of the deaf community because they speak, you know, that, that, that to me was such an eye opening like you know, information. So, so right. can you talk about, can you talk about going about choosing the people that you wanted to be part of this, part of this uh, series? Sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> now uh, when I first found out that Hot Snakes, uh, the, produ uh, the production company behind this um, was developing a show um, specifically at Gallaudet, uh, I wanted to reach out. I, I didn't actually know what the show was about. Um, when we did finally get connected, um, my team had called over and, and said, hey, uh, you know, Niall actually is an alum of Gallaudet. Um, he would be a great voice to get involved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, definitely in, in bringing a, a more authentic deaf lens and showing the deaf experience. And I had, a, I had a chance to chat with them. They'd already chosen the cast at that point. And, mm -hmm. you know, they had videos of some people signing and I'm watching it. And I asked one of, uh, I asked one of the producers, I said, you know, do you know that some of these casts can't actually sign well? And they said, oh, is that serious? What, what does that mean? What do we do? And I'm like, well, their language fluency is a, is a part of who they are in the community, right? They might have been latent deafened or, um, you know, it, it might be someone who is, you know, born and raised in the deaf community or perhaps someone who is, you know, culturally deaf but went to a mainstream program or maybe their parents didn't know sign, right? Or it's someone like me who had the deaf community and had deaf schools and deaf parents and language fluency. And it was that moment of awareness that really kind of shifted the dynamics of the show, right? So with that in mind, we wanted to find, um, you know, really two ends of the spectrum and everything in between. We wanted to find people with strong cultural identity, um, you know, who were, who were very kind of aware and sensitive to the, um, to the culture and had uh, the linguistic fluency similar to mine. And then we also wanted to make sure that, you know, there was uh, representation on the opposite side of the spectrum. You know, truly this, uh, has broken the mold. It's unprecedented. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I, I mean, we just, we're looking to improve that. Of course, we want to see more women of color, right? We want to see a lot more color on, on the next season. Um, but, you know, there's so, 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 so much we can improve on. We, it's interesting because it, there's a burden essentially in trying to find a way to encapsulate the deaf experience, you know, by using the lens of individuals within one show. And to me, it's impossible, right? Mm. Um, the other thing is, you know, in regards to deaf representation, we have been so starved from mainstream media and representation within it that we have so many hopes and we have, you know, a wish list that is, you know, very heavily weighed down with oppression of, of all the things that we want inside. Um, and, you know, that's also the beauty of our culture, right? It means that we have so much to give and so much to offer and so much to pull from, which means that we have more stories, right? We couldn't possibly give you everything in season one. That would be impossible. Mm-hmm. We've got to kind of tease <laughs> a little. Yeah. Very relatable stories too. Like every, I mean, I, I just loved how it was, you know, it was diversity within diversity. It was just, you, mm. you, like you said, you, you gave us everything, you know, and I, I, for one learned, I learned so much. Um, and I'm, but I want to ask you also, you, you mentioned before tackling very serious issues. Like, you know, you guys talk, talk about abortion, um, talk about, so, so what, what was it for the cast? Were they were they open to sharing their stories like this, or were they? Was there a hesitation? How how are you guys able to get this um, get this out of them, and how were they? How did they feel about it? It's a great question. Um, in the beginning, I think there was um, a lot of a lot of hesitation and and, and a lot of uh, you know guarding, right? Because this is the first time in history that a show has ever been made. Um, you know, specifically about deaf people with deaf people, you know, behind the camera, really, really working with an authentic lens to really understand our stories. Um, you know, in the process, of course, of working with them, we didn't expect an abortion. We didn't expect, you know, sexual mm. violence or domestic violence. Um, but once we had warmed up and really built a, a, a nice rapport of trust, it was purely in agreement with the cast. And our job really became to support them through that process. Um <clears throat> And those stories are so key. They need to be told. Like you mentioned, they're so incredibly relatable. People can really plug in and see themselves now and how they've handled the situation, right? They can see how these, how these issues are, are, are tackled by other people. And those are really vital conversations that we need to be having. I can't tell you just how proud I am of our cast. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it, this show, I mean, you know, we, like me and Amanda are part of marginalized communities and, you know, people of color and so many, there's so many underrepresented and marginalized voices out there. And then there are times when we have these blind spots ourselves. And I think the deaf experience is one of them. I think I've been leaning more into that. I've been leaning more into even like going into more disabled, you know, representation and indigenous representation. And it's, it's so interesting to see like, you know, how, you know, like we could, we're always kind of, uh, not obsessed, but um, kind of preoccupied with fighting our own battles, you know? It's yeah, like, we, yeah. yeah. And we, we need to like, I, I always say that if one of us wins, we all win. Yeah. Um, so like, I've, I'm so glad that, you know, definitely. Um, yeah. That a show like Def U comes out and like, I see the projects that you have lined up and I'm like, oh, I, I, I can't wait, you yeah. know? Um, but like with, with, right. with Def U, I mean, I think me and Amanda were talking about it and it was like, they're like, oh, there's a lot of romantic storylines in it. You know, it's, it kind of is, it's, it's, it's very much like, it's just basically almost a reality show. Right. You know? 
Uh, but we're kind of like focusing right. on uh, these romantic storylines and leaning into them. Was that very much a conscious a conscious choice for for you and the producers? Um, and did you, or did you kind of like purposely stray away from other things? But how how why did you feel the need to lean into more of the romantic storyline? Really, when it comes down to it, um, you know, I feel like everyone wants a little romance, right? Everyone <laughs> wants to fall in love. You know, everyone wants the experience of, of you know, being tasted. I mean, that, that to me was, you know, a really important lens uh, to see our cast through. And also at the same time to really learn about deaf culture and the community and, uh, and who these people are, right? Instead of, you know, reframing them through the lens of, you know, this preachy PSA after school special. Our <laughs> culture is this. Our community is this. That would have made, it would have made things incredibly boring. Yeah. You know, of course, we want to share both of those things, but we had to find the right balance. And romance seemed like a really good strategy to access some of those topics. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of love in Defio. And yeah, people are wild. They, wait, okay. Also, like, I was, like, looking at, the, like, when I was watching, I was all, why is everyone so hot? And I'm like, <laughs> I, 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 I like a version of like Love Island, but like set in a college. <laughs> right, right. Well, definitely, like, I, definitely. I, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that because, like, I remember. You know, I'm a child of the '80s and even you know of the '90s. There was always like for sitcoms and dramas, there was always that one episode where they had a deaf person or someone in a wheelchair or, and it's like, and then always I think the, the one, yeah, always the one. And, um, but, and I remember, you know, Marley Matlin came out with children of a lesser God and that was like a huge deal. Um, but then like, I think there, there are so many moments for underrepresented voices where we think that something's going to change. Like for instance, like with children of a lesser God or, with you know crazy rich Asians and then like right. yeah but you know when you were coming up and you were seeing this these representations of you because you mentioned that you really didn't see yourself until deaf you you know would you get frustrated would you get angry about seeing how uh, the culture your culture uh, the culture was uh, represented how did you respond to all of these kind of PSA you know episodes a lot of feelings went into a lot of responses. Um, I think that, you know, Children children of a Lesser God was groundbreaking. I mean, we're talking 1986, I think. Yeah. Uh, just amazing. But, you know, the problem with Children of a Lesser God was that there were no deaf people in the making of it and in, mm. and in its creation, right? Um, you know, it, it's key that we have more representation, but it, it's key that we have more deaf creatives who are developing their own content. I mean, so that, you know, 35 years later now, deaf people can be behind in this process, you know, so things like that really did pave the way, of course. My experience over the last five years in the Hollywood industry has involved a lot of meetings with a lot of writers, a lot of casting directors, uh, you know, executive producers, and and really working with them to try to find, uh, you know, a role within within their film or within their content. And the same struggle I hear everywhere. We think you're great. We love you. We want to write you in so bad. But they don't know how because they don't understand deaf culture. They have no understanding of the deaf community, right? 
which is why they need a deaf person in the writer's room to say, hey, this would actually make sense here in this way, right? And that's what we got through Deaf U. I mean, we, uh, we really took the mold and shattered it. And we, we said that we weren't going to create any more one-dimensional characters. We were going to show the layers, right? The, the diversity of our community so that we can yeah. offer writers a better way to really access those things. We're hoping that this show really inspires writers to pull in more deaf talent and to include more deaf people you know, in front of the, or uh, yeah. behind the camera, really to build their experience in Hollywood. So that yeah. later we have our own, you know, our own content, our own TV shows, our, our own films, but really to be able to make whatever we want. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so like you mentioned a season two. I mean, I, I mean, I should know this because, or we should know this because we work at Deadline. Has, has it been, has it been renewed? much or or is that kind of like secret <laughs> no so netflix has yet to give me a call but i'm hoping <laughs> that they're going to call us soon um phone. definitely <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah. honestly we have so many more layers to go through yeah. i mean like so like if for for season two what would you want to get into more would you introduce more people would you you know what would you want to kind of do with season two uh, you know, I think season two would offer a much more uh, deeper vibe, definitely into uh, elites. And what does elitism mean within the deaf community? I mean, yeah. I, you know, I share a controversial perspective that I'll get back to, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, also Daquan's background and his yeah. story and his experience of growing up without any access to sign language and, you know, the impact of that and what it looks like for him on his journey, I just yeah. think are so incredible. For me as a deaf person coming from the, from the experience, from the deaf community, I know that we've only scratched the surface and, and it's already overwhelmingly positive. So we're excited to go deeper. Now back to the topic of elitism, I will tell you, <laughs> I think it's worth, I think it's worth going into deeper um, because I do see ways in which it can be good, right? We have, um, you know, elites that definitely come off as a mama bear who want to be protective of our language and our culture, right? I mean, people would coin me as elite simply because my parents are deaf and I went to a deaf school. I also grew up in the community. Um, all of those things are, are things that I've really embraced as a part of my identity. But it's really more a focus of preserving sign language which right now is in fact at the brink of extinction. Mm -hmm. And so there is a sense of responsibility that we are the stewards of the language and the culture and the traditions. And that, you know, we have to, we have to keep them safe. So it's possible that we come off as a little hostile, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're very, very, very frustrated, yeah. but I'd love to really explore more of that and see what we have to yeah. offer. Yeah. I, I, that was, I was going to ask about that. Cause that was one thing that I really found interested was sort of this, uh, this, group of it's kind of like what races do like we, we sort of have this it, it's it's i don't like to say uh discriminatory but we have these clickiness yeah in our, within our group you know we're like siloed there's, there's yeah. yeah exactly there's arguments about like especially with me there's arguments about growing up in america versus growing up in you know or, or like there's a lot of colorism discussions within our community too that's a big issue and there's a big right right that. right so I was, I wanted to ask you, cause like, I know we could trace back colorism to like, you know, racism days. Like we, we I wanted to ask you where that stemmed from the, the whole elite thing versus somebody like Cheyenne, who's more trying to embrace a new way of doing things. Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember this other girl's name. She, I know, I just know she had a lot of, uh, she had long nails. <laughs> yeah, like, ah, Tessa, yeah, yes. Tessa. Yeah. Tessa with the um, nails. Yeah, just had it like, sort of having that conflict. I was just, I really wanted to understand where that came from. I, I would say, to be honest with you on the show, I relate the most to Tessa. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, I really wish that I could have seen her really explain more of what makes sense to her and her perspective. 
um, you know, I think she has a lot more to say with with really great intentions. Um, now, you know, essentially the conflict comes from Cheyenne coming from a deaf family who went to a mainstream program, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> she's very culturally deaf, right? But she doesn't have the same experiences as Tessa, who, you know, went to a large deaf school. And in Maryland, I, ironically, I'm an alum of the, of the school myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so she's had this group of friends that's really become ingrained with one another since her kindergarten days. Mm-hmm. Now you take both of them to college and, you know, Shina wants to make new friends, but Tessa already has all of her friends. And yet, you know, they both come from deaf families, mm-hmm. right? And now Shina mm-hmm. sees that Tessa's had all of this access that she missed out on. And so it does take a shift of perspective there to see that it's about positioning. Of course, Tessa means well. And of course, you know, Shina knows that as an elite, she has a really privileged position in the community, but it's a, it's a melding of worlds. And of course there's going to be conflict there. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of layers to talk through in that conversation. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you, get your opinion. Like, is it possible to sort of bridge that gap to, to, or to sort of find a balance between preserving the language and also being, I guess, more progressive, like yeah. what Cheyenne wanted to do. Right. Right. You know, I, I definitely think that there's a lot of space there. And, you know, if we have a season two, I really want to dive into um, how we make those connections, yeah. right? And and really find, uh, you know, the reasons behind it. I mean, the biggest thing it really is passing down of language, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> deaf culture, you know, is, it, it, as, uh, you know, as small of a community as we are, if you look at the elites, they're actually the minority within our community, right? 95% uh-huh. of deaf kids out there um, come from hearing parents. And so, you know, there is another perspective um, specifically, uh, you know, about Gallaudet University, that it is the one campus and the entire globe in which we have a signing community. It's our haven, right? And, you know, there were a lot of college students like myself who came in and I would see other people, right, from the rest of the community who would be speaking. And I'd be like, this is the only place that is fully accessible to us and you're trying to take that away from us, yeah. right? Yeah. On, a, on, an, on an entirely deaf campus. So a lot of it, I think, is about boundaries and also context dependent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, think it's, I think it's kind of amazing about... Complicated. About... Um, the the kind of the, the the preserving the language i didn't know that it was kind of on this brink of extinction it's very interesting yeah. we had amber ruffin on uh from um um uh, her her, the, her talk show yeah. and she was talking about what was what, what was it she 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 signs she does signing it's exact it's not it's, it's not asl it's, it's not the exact, exact sign language or something like that i forgot what it's called um but it, it, yeah. and she's like, oh, no. Yeah, she said no one uses it anymore. And it's it's kind of archaic. So it's kind of this, it's interesting to see the progression of that language. Well, yeah. And, you know, it, it's another layer, right? So yeah. uh, signed exact English or pigeon signed English aren't actually languages, right? Ah. Um, it's essentially it's a modality of English. It's, it's manually coded English, um, right? Like a series of, of English on the hands. So... Mm. You know, it's how deaf people were expected to work to fit society, the, the larger hearing society. But none of us should be in the business of that, right? You should yes. learn ASL, right? And that's really the foundation. But, you know, I mean, that's just my thinking, right? Why am I working to fit into the English? Yeah, because I remember Amber saying that no one uses yeah. it because it's oh, kind of offensive. I feel like I'm such a better person for just talking to you and for even watching the show. Like, yeah, so, so informative. But, Definitely. Um, 
I have to ask, Niall, is the school, you went, you went well, to this, the for, same I, you know, right? Oh, good. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I did. I did go to the same school as Tessa. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Is it was it like She's, that? I mean, I've known her since kindergarten. Okay. Oh, for real? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She's, uh, I mean, you know, Tessa of course is so sweet in general, you know, she has a very, very, uh, you know, strong sensibility about her. I'm um, in a very strong cultural identity. And I think a lot of people might find that a bit off putting, but in fact, she's just, she's a strong person. <laughs> and, and when were you, when you were at the, the college, was it, were you, can you, would you say that you had the same experience as these guys now um, in deaf you? Was it as clicky? <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. So okay. I, I mean, yeah, there's, there's always been a lot of that. I mean, and it hasn't changed. I went to Gallaudet 13 years ago. I mean, in 2007, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, from one to eight generations ago, it's, it's still been the same thing, okay. you know? Yeah. Uh, that's so crazy. So um, anyways, like I said, I think I'm, I feel like I'm a better person after watching it and I encourage everyone yeah. It if you haven't seen it, um, yeah. I mean, like it's it's so I mean, it's it's so enlightening. I mean, I yeah. I generally like learning about other cultures, and it's like it's, a, if you don't ask questions, you don't research, you don't exactly. watch other people's stories, then what are you doing? You know, and right now at a time like this, it's it's kind of like oh, it's time to embrace other cultures yeah. besides your own and, and it's reality yeah. tv like it's yeah, it's, it's really I mean, reality it, TV. <laughs> people are right. shady Pe right. people, I, people I'm mess like, up i'm a reality tv queen and i'm like this is this is this is on point and it's fun also yeah, definitely uh, but niall what I, I keep wanting to call you nico and i, and I <laughs> but i read that you have a twin brother named nico my twin brother <laughs> is named yeah. nico yeah <laughs> Before, even before, um, and actually, <laughs> actually, funny enough, my mom actually decided. So, like, as you know, I'm a twin. So she said the uh, the first person born would be Niall, and then the second one would be Nico. I was actually supposed to be Nico, but Stop after it. my mom had us, she was like, you don't look like a Nico. So she gave me oh! Niall. Stop it. I was looking, like, I keep calling him Nico for something. I like looked and I was like, oh, he has a brother named Nico. I didn't even know that. Like how, <laughs> how weird. <laughs> yeah. And you were supposed to be Nico. So, <laughs> um, right. but Niall, you have a couple of other projects that, that have been announced. What can you tell us about um, the thing, the, the Daniel Day Kim comedy um, that you're doing with him? And then you also have, is it yes, pre uh, yeah, deaf president or, or oh. deaf president please? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, deaf yeah, president yeah, now. Yeah, 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 now, now, yeah. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I have another uh, Netflix project actually as well. Um, it's a documentary film um, that specifically follows one boy named Amari um, mm. who goes to uh, Maryland Deaf School, where I went as well. Mm, okay. Uh, and it's a very, very interesting doc. Uh, I, I, I would highly recommend it. Mm. Um, I also have a scripted series. Um, it's a half-hour comedy uh, with Daniel Day Kim's production company um, that is very loosely based on my own life and my own experience as a deaf person. Uh, really navigating and hearing worlds. Um, a lot of irony to it. Oh, I wish I could say more, but <laughs> you'll Wait, have are to you stop to see. Are you starring? Are you yeah. starring it? Are you starring it? As I well, am. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'll be leading in it, uh, which is really exciting. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm playing myself, so very inspiring. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then um, I have uh, the Deaf President Now um, film, which uh, was a historical event that happened in 1988 at Gallaudet University. Mm -hmm really yeah. was essentially the, um, the deaf uh, disability civil rights movement uh, oh. 
eventually See? paved the, yeah. paved the way for the passage of the ADA. Um, it was a, it was against the administration who at that point, after 124 years of being in existence, had chosen another um, another hearing uh, uh, president essentially in a, a move of real grotesque paternalism. Um, but mm. like I said, it did offer the passage of the ADA, which has given us so many um, rights and really protected so much through legislation. So we're really looking forward to it. And for that, I'm working with Jonathan King, who's fantastic. I mean, he's produced such, you know, things like the Green Book and Roma. Um, and, you know, this is us. And um, I'm just, I'm, he's so incredible. It's so great to be able to work with him. And he's just, he's an amazing creator and he's just an amazing guy. I'm so looking forward to working with him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's those kinds of stories that I love. Like yes, that, that me documentary. Too, I so love. Excited. I can't wait. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, <laughs> honestly, the doc is really interesting. The Netflix doc is really interesting. I'm, I'll, I'll be really excited to hear your opinion. Okay. Perhaps next time I'm on the show after you watch okay. it. We can talk. <laughs> no, we'll, ha- we'll, ha- we'll have you on again. <laughs> um, so Definitely. just to wrap up, we like to kind of end with a, a funny, like, random question segment we call the facts or the FAQs. Um, so your first question is, what is one TV show or movie that you would love that people might not expect that you like? That you love that people might not expect that you like? <laughs> ooh, ooh, that's a good one. The Bachelor. Mm, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, okay. it's my guilty pleasure. You know, <laughs> I watch it all the time with my mom. Wow, I, I, <laughs> I, I never got into The Bachelor for some, but I love dating shows, which is weird. But I just never got into The Bachelor. Wait, do you watch The Bachelorette, Amanda? I don't watch any or, of it. I watch Love Island. Do you watch <laughs> Nile? Do you watch Bachelorette too? Just Bachelor? No. I mean, I, I, I watched The Bachelorette and Bachelor both, for sure. I thought for sure you would have seen it. Honestly, it's trash TV. I love it. People are like, no, why do you watch is. this? I'm like, because it's amazing. Watch it. I, I think the best part of those, like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, I mean, I've only watched a couple or barely watched, is when they introduce everyone and their jobs. It, mm-hmm. it, it's so, their jobs are like, what? Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. So Niall. Um, oh man, so many random jobs and random positions that they mention. They're so <laughs> proud of it. You're like, what? You're like, what like just millennial that? jobs popping up on The Bachelor is one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Niall, you you've modeled, you dance, you produce, you act. Is there a hidden talent that people might not know you have? Ooh, a <laughs> hidden talent. Um... Yeah, I mean, I would say um, I'm really good at jumping off a diving board. Oh. I, yeah, I can do a lot of tricks off a diving board. And that's yeah. hard. That's really hard. Yeah, that is. Wait, have you been, have you thought about competing in the Olympics? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't considered it, no. Um, but my uh, my university, Gallaudet University, had a diving team and um, you know, they would ask me to try out for the team because they knew that I was, you know, I mean, at that time I had a lot of fun and I kind of knew I was the best. But honestly, <laughs> I just wanted to party. Yeah. Well, but I also know that you did drag once with Miss Cracker. I'm a big RuPaul's Drag Race fan. So seeing you in drag was what w- w- was really fun. So maybe that's another talent you have. Drag queen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that experience was oh, cathartic. Mm. It was such an expression. It was so much fun. Well, Dino's our resident drag queen. Uh, yeah, Gray actually was. Gray actually was my interpreter on the uh, 
on the segment. It was great. He was really into it. <laughs> um, okay. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> oh. oh, fuck. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Let me think of one. Um, I would because now we're gonna learn it in sign, in sign. It's motherfucker. Yeah, this is it right oh, wait, here. So like, yeah, it's wait, mother. There's okay. a sign for mother. Yep, and then okay. fucker, mother. Oh, that's fun. Does it, does it matter? Yeah. Does it matter? Motherfucker. Like motherfucker. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> right or left, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Okay, good. That's so fun. Yep. We learned something. Middle finger up to my new chain. I yeah. would be saying that, you guys. Just look out. I want to be saying that, motherfucker. We'll know what it means. <laughs> well, this is like, you know. <laughs> you know? Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty universal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now, if there was one movie or one TV show you could remake with an entire deaf cast, which would it be? An all deaf cast. You know, Probably Breakfast Club. Oh, that would be fun! Oh my gosh! Breakfast. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, I think it'd be. A, I think that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that would be. Yeah. Great. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that would be a good. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think. Would you really rather good. spend two years with your soulmate only to have them die and you never love again, or spend your life with somebody <laughs> nice you settled for? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> This is a hard one. Oh, that is so impossible. What? Uh, okay. One dies and I settle. I'd second one? I settle? Really? I mean, yeah. it'd be nice to have conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would you pick, Amanda? I think, honestly, because I don't like being alone, I might pick the second one, even though, <laughs> even though the first yeah, one. Yeah, I mean I that, would, right? I would really want to be with a soulmate. Right? I mean, I don't know. Actually, I probably would do soulmate, to be honest. I yeah, would I would do soulmate, too, because I, I like my, my space. And I'm all, after two years, I'll be all, okay, you could leave. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's the other thing, right? You get your whole apartment back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so now our, our final question is, is there an underrepresented voice in the industry, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, or creator that is not in the mainstream or just not that widely well known that you think people need to know about and deserves more recognition from Hollywood and the industry? Ooh. There's a lot, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a lot. But uh, from my community specifically, um, I would say Lauren Ridloff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Lauren Ridloff uh, is now, uh, you know, as a, as a deaf person, she's now the first Marvel superhero. Oh, that's right. And the Eternals, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, uh, yeah, she was in the Eternals movie. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, I'm just hoping that it, everything just explodes for her after that. Yeah. yeah, especially that cast. That cast in general is just so inclusive. And I, I want to say that her character in the comic, I think they gender flipped that character. I'm not 100% I'm not sure, though. I'm not 100%. Right, they sure. did. Yeah. It was supposed yeah. to be a male, right? It was mm -hmm. written for for this big, bulky, like tough guy. Yeah. And they switched it to uh, a female of color who's deaf. Mm. Which is so like, there's so many intersections there, which is like amazing, which is incredible, so which I love. Yeah. And that's Chloe, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Yeah, Chloe Zhao's movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I'm excited about that. Niall, I'm excited about yeah. all the stuff that you have coming I out. I know. Thank you so much for being on here. Like, you are yeah. a gem. Everybody Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. This has been so fun with you too. Yeah, I'm glad. Oh, yeah, and then so hopefully... Yeah, hopefully in the future we can meet in person and do, you know, this again. Um, yeah. But I, we were so excited. Like, as soon as, Definitely. like, as soon as they, 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 they said, you know, they, they were like, oh, would you like to have Nile on? And I immediately said, of course, you yeah. know, so I'm glad we could make this happen. I'm glad we made this happen, Nile. Yeah. Thank you again for stopping Definitely. by. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much thank for you. having me. Yeah, thank you guys. See you later. Have a great week. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.